You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Welcome to the latest edition of All's Capital, former Capitals defenseman Carl Alzer. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino. Uh, later on, we're going to have Pace Sagister on, former Capitals PR guy, now at the University of North Carolina, who has a lot of fun stories that Carl doesn't know what stories are coming, which is going to be fun. Uh, first, Carl, let's talk about, uh, we'll talk some Caps offseason today. But first, you were between the benches for the, the Capitals development camp scrimmage. And I know you've had a lot of these experiences. You did a little coaching with the PWHPA. You've done this. What was that like? It, it was actually very, very cool. I was quite nervous at first just because, you know, it's it's live, it's happening. As you go, you got to be kind of on top of it. Um, plus, I'm right in the mix. Um, so I I have to, I guess, keep my head on a swivel in case of flying pucks and sticks and all that. So I was I was a little nervous, but I talked to talked to Locker about it um, a little bit. I, I talked to Walton and Ben Raby and, and just got a, got a little sense of what to expect. Um, and once the game starts, I mean... It, it doesn't seem, I shouldn't say it doesn't seem hard, but you get into like a groove, right? You, sure. Then you're just watching hockey and talking about hockey. And so we weren't supposed to be getting all that technical because it was just a development camp scrimmage and and the guys are just having fun. But um, it's it's fun to just be able to add in as things are happening, right? See see a play, give give a little bit of feedback on the play and actually get to see some of these um these prospects like up close in the flesh and what they can do, because, you know, there's one thing to be said for how good you look in practice and what you can right. do one-on-one with a goalie and, and all that stuff. But then to see a little bit more of a realistic scrimmage, even though, you know, they weren't uh, uh, playing as physical, I don't think as maybe the the coaching staff would have liked um, still get to see some pretty impressive individual skill. So overall it was solid. I would, I would love to do something like that again. Cause I think that's uh that's really fun. Did anybody stick out to you? I mean, obviously Hendricks LaPierre is, is around and, and kind of the closest in the NHL of those guys, but as you're watching, did anyone stick out? Yeah, well, definitely LaPierre was, was um, amazing. He looked like he was playing like it was three on three, even when it was five on five, you know, his puck possession was, was extremely impressive. He looked relaxed out there. Um, I'd say uh, Vincent Iorio. Looked, he's, a, he's a big boy. Yes. Very, very good. He's a Western Canadian guy too, which I, which I really like. Um, very smooth out there. You know, it's, he's almost one of those guys that I didn't, you don't really expect him to have these like really nice hands and he, and he does. I don't know. I don't know why I don't necessarily expect that maybe um, just because he also has a bit of that stay at home defenseman vibe to him. But the next thing you know, he's up in the rush and he's stick handling around guys. I thought that was, that was really impressive. And then I'm blanking on, on the kid's first name, but uh Chesley, Ryan Chesley. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. He looked really good too. Um, not afraid to take players on one-on-one good skater, good positioning, really nice passing. Um, there's, there's a couple more. Um, but I'd say that those, 
those three were probably the, the, the number one, the number ones, I guess. And then there's some, the goaltending was actually really good. Some huge goalies. It was like six, five, two, six, fives. Look, everybody's six, five now. Yeah. It seems like it. <laughs> that's impressive, man. But there were some massive saves and that's really hard. That was really hard on the goalies. I think, you know, they go down to four on four for 10 minutes and then three on three for 10 minutes and then shoot out at the end of training camp that they've been going pretty hard. Like that was, that was tough for them. And I thought they did a really good job. So it looked like there was some, some serious promise there, even the free agent signings, like the guys that were or not even signings, the yeah. free agents that were just there for, uh, for a trial. Like some of them were really, really good as well. So, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess it just goes to show what the level is right now. Um, but I think, you know, the, the prospect pool might not seem as deep, like some people are saying, but it, it, it looks pretty good to me. Yeah. And, 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 and we, we know that there's not, there's not a whole lot of deep prospects in this organization. Like this is a win now mode now for the organization, which brings me to what Brian McClellan's moves in free agency. We talked about a lot of them last week, but latest one, bringing Gabriel Carlson from, from the blue jackets, uh, another left shot defenseman. Lucas Johansson is going to get a chance at some point to earn a job. Matt Irwin got resigned though. It just feels like with, with Carlson and Strom and Connor Brown and, and everything, uh, Eric Gustafson, everything that Brian McClellan's doing is saying, guys win now because the future like those guys can come lucas johansson alexiev mirshenko uh ryan chesley they're all part of the future but mm-hmm. mac is all in for, for keeping this team get, at least giving them a shot to win next year and beyond yeah and i think that, that that's uh, a good way for teams to do it right you don't it, i don't think it's fun for a fan base to to be relevant and all of a sudden go away for five years and then come back again. You know, I guess the building process can be exciting, but it's nice to always be involved, especially when you have um, some players that, that are, you know, going down as, as legends of this, uh, this franchise that might not be here in five years. Right. So you got to do your best to give them a chance, but um, yeah, I, I think it's nice to just, con- you know, you just bring a few guys in every year and then stay, stay somewhat competitive although you might not be at the top of the league in terms of, of, you know, the Colorados and the Tampas and stuff, but, but at least you're there, you know, you, you can still make a splash. And I think that's what, uh, what Mac is doing with this team right now. And so I, I like it. I, I, I think that there's, there's definitely a pretty good future. Love to see Johansson get a, get a crack at, it. I feel at like some it's point, good. Right? Yeah. yeah, there's been so much talk about him over the years that like, I think he was, he, he came while I was still there, I believe. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, He's, it's, it's, it's been a bit. Yeah, and I was expecting to see him at some point then to to have a chance. I know there's been some unfortunate injuries and and all that kind of stuff, but but yeah, it would be nice. It'd be nice to see uh, some homegrown homegrown talent for sure. Um, but this is for, for me, and, and this is the other update from from Brian McClellan was he said Tom Wilson's on track. He's he's doing fine, but it looks like a December time frame on, on a return. But it really feels like we took, we spoke to Connor Brown the other day. Like the penalty killing that Tom Wilson did, this is what Connor Brown's going to fill in. So even if Tom misses, and, and this is what I think we've talked about, is like you don't want Tom rushing back. Like if this team is succeeding enough, Tom can cannot rush back. If they're struggling out of a playoff spot by December first, you know he's going to want to get back on the ice. But having Connor Brown there, I think, is going to help keep Tom Wilson like okay to not want to rush back on the ice. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Tom Tom is a is a pretty elite penalty killer, but but. Connor Brown is, is, is also too. extremely elite, you know, yeah. five, five shorties last year. It's very hard to do. Um, it, it's a, it's a hard position to, to play. Um, those are, those are difficult minutes, you know, being on the kill. Sure. So I think he's, I, I think he's going to fill in, you know, perfect um, for Tom while he's out, you know, obviously he doesn't, 
you lose a little bit, a little bit of that physicality that Tom brings, but otherwise I think they're, they're a pretty, pretty good match for each other. So um, I wouldn't worry too much about it, but yeah, it's like you said, we won't know until December when we see what kind of track this team is on, whether or not you, you rush anything, but um, I think we look future, you know, one year, two years, three years down the line. Yeah. Why, why worry about anything beyond that? Yeah. Don't rush a guy back from an ACL. It, it'll be hard for Tom to sit, that sit still and not, and not do it, but, but you're, you're looking long-term at this, you know, you don't, you don't need to have someone back and have a lingering injury that they're going to, I've talked to lots of guys who have had ACL issues and it's like, it happens once and it bugs them for the rest of their lives. So, you know, do it, do it the right way the first time. And I've been saying that as soon as Al Sebastian leaves, I think Tom Wilson is the captain of this team. Like I've, 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 I've gone on record saying that I think that he's, he's a guy who's so respected in the locker room that he is that. And so for all the kind of Mac win now stuff, it is important for Tom Wilson to not rush this back because with an ACL, you don't want to screw around with that. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, it's it's tough to say right now. Um, oh, well, we're talking years down the line, we hope, yeah, right? Of course, yeah. But yeah, he definitely has a lot of the attributes you would like to have in a captain for sure. Guys like him in the room and all that. Um, but we just don't know who's who's coming in, right? That, that could maybe also be that role. But yeah, it's uh, as much as you want to win now, I don't think you ever sacrifice a, a right. player's long-term health, potential health. Right. So this is, this is, it's just too hard to say right now, but you know what, it's, it's also the caps and now, now DC in this area expects winners <laughs> and that's, and that's what we, we, we want to see. So if, uh, if, if he's going to be out, you know, longer and things aren't tracking the way that everybody's hoping, then who knows what they do. Maybe, maybe they uh, start, start retooling a little bit earlier than that, but let's, we'll see. let's hope for all of our sake that we, we have a, a good team to watch. Yeah. And, and, and so, so goaltending Mac figured this out. Uh, Vitek Vanacek got to, gets a $10.2 million three-year contract from the New Jersey devils. How about that? I mean, that's, I, I think a lot of people were surprised. Samson takes a one year, $1.8 million deal and Samson and, and Vanacek gets almost double that. Yeah. Isn't that impressive? When I saw that I was, is that just what the what the the rest of the league thinks of the two goalies? You know, I like, think I think that's what Vanacek would have gotten in arbitration too. Yeah. So that, that yeah, I'm sure they've done all their homework and that's what he technically deserved. But you know, I I think that um, you know he brings less baggage with him. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but I think Samsonov maybe you know is still a wild card to a lot of people. Where I think Vanacek, they know he's you know he's he's pretty solid. Um, yep. Is is he that price solid? We'll we'll find out. Find it, out could, it could be one of those things where he leaves and absolutely flourishes with a change of scenery. Um, but we yeah we don't know for sure. But I'm 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 happy to see that he got paid. I'm always happy when when guys are getting paid. So it's uh it's a nice thing for him. And you know, I hope hopefully it works out. But it's just I I've just been laughing at at some of the stuff going on, like especially the Goudreau thing and and everyone's like pictures of of him of Goudreau and then Calgary on fire in the background and stuff like that. You know, like Matthew Kachuk wants a trade now. Yeah. It's, it's insane how fast things can, can apparently uh, tumble. Right. It, I, but I, I just, I think it just goes to show you like how important it is to players to be in a place where they have people that they like, or they, they think they're going to feel comfortable, you know, like the power of one player to bring somebody else in is huge. Right. If, yeah. if you go out there and, and say, you know, Ovi goes out there and, and says, Hey, like we, we really need to have uh Nazem Kadri, you know, he's going to be great. And Kadri and Ovi are best buddies or whatever. You know that that's how easy it can be. And, uh, and it seems like that's what happened with Columbus because no one really was expecting to see that happen. So it's, uh, yeah, it's word, word of mouth that you, you need your players to go and vouch for, for other guys sometimes too. 
Look, I know Brian McClellan's really good at the cap. I don't think he can fit Nazem Kadri. I, 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 no. I, I know he's a lot of things and, and, and he used a lot of Nick's money. I don't think he can fit Nazem Kadri at this point. And I don't, I don't think he necessarily <laughs> should either. I mean, that's... no, Dylan Strom, Dylan Strom is, is the Nick replacement for now. Yes, exactly. And, and Kadri's, he's, I think he's going to get too much money. <laughs> I think he's going back to Colorado. Yeah. I think that's a safe bet for him. Honestly, like this is one of those things where, um, I think you go, you know, the grass isn't always greener just because you're going to get paid. I think you, you stay in the place where, where things are good and they know what you bring. And, and so, so, so maybe he, he has, you know, three quarters of the points that he had last year. Still I think good. that, I think it's still really good. And I think the city still really, really loves him for it. Right. But if he all of a sudden goes somewhere else and, and doesn't put up 80 points and he puts up 55, people are going to be pissed and then they're going to be on them and then it's going to be hard for him. Right. So I think this is yeah. one of those things for just for the rest of his, for his career, his on ice career, not his bank account career. He, he should just, he should just stick where he is. He'll get paid decently as well. Uh, when we come back on all caps, former capitals PR guy, Pace Sagister, he's got stories about a NASCAR race in a sunroof, uh, <laughs> Terry, Terryville scooter gang, uh, a radio interview from a bar in Chapel Hill and other things about Carl Osner. When we come back on Oscap. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals fans Carl Osner. I'm AP Hockey writer Steve Wino, and pleased to be joined by former Capitals PR guy Pace Sagister, who has some great Osner stories, because I know my favorite part of this podcast is asking people for Osner stories, and it's usually, oh, he's such a great guy, and this and that, and it's true, but Pace, thank you for joining us. Uh, what, what, what is your, I'm going to lead off, what is your best Carl Osner story? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I just want to say, first of all, I'm... I feel bad because I don't have my my Duke uh, shirt is in the wash and I couldn't put it on today. <laughs> so unfortunately, I had to get my Carolina blue hat on for Pace because everybody that knows Pace knows he's obsessed with the Tar Heels and uh, his sci-fi sci-fi fraternity <laughs> too. But but uh, we're happy that you made time for us. I know you're busy. Look at you all all dolled up these days. So Pace, thank you so much for coming and and go easy on me with these stories because most of them are your fault. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Well, first of all, your Duke shirt, the only place the Duke shirt belongs in the trash can. So you need to fix that quickly. But and, and no. look, I look and also I, I want to thank you. Pace. I did this book on, on e-bugs and it wouldn't have been possible without you. So I want to say thank you first before we get too much into this, that, that Pace is heavily factored into odd man in uh, emergency goalies in the wildest one day job in sports, which is out in October on Triumph Books. But yeah, you, you have a lot to do with that. Yeah, well, I appreciate you including me in that. Uh, looking forward to seeing it when it comes out. And, uh, and yeah, get a signed was, copy, yes. 
Yes, excellent. That's what I was gonna ask. Yeah, I definitely need a signed copy. Yeah, no, appreciate you guys for having me. It's uh, it's quite an honor. It's not every day you get to be a guest on your favorite podcast. So appreciate you guys having me on here. Um, oh, no, I think kind. I think my uh, my favorite uh, personality trait about Alzi is how uh, curious uh, he is about everything and how quickly. <laughs> He can go from knowing nothing to being really passionate. So when I joined the the Caps in 2013, you know, I'm, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, I walk into the locker room talking about NASCAR and Bojangles, and that piqued his interest right away. All the bells and whistles <laughs> were, were going off in his head, and uh, it did not take him long to, to dive headfirst into NASCAR. So at the end of uh, my first season, 2014, the summer of 2014, uh, Alzi, myself, and our good buddy Dave Marin, the equipment guy, drove down to Richmond for a NASCAR race. And at the time, my sister was working for Elliot Sadler. He's a driver in the Xfinity yep. Series. Who um, the Xfinity Series is, is NASCAR's development, developmental series. So it's it's young drivers, but it's also veteran drivers that can still make a living doing it. It's exactly like the AHL. So we drove down on a Friday night, and we took uh, Alzi's truck. And we stopped at a Bojangles in Richmond on the way down there. And we, yeah. we had our, his first Bojangles experience tailgating <laughs> in the parking lot, which I have to say, we were sitting out there in this giant field and he was recognized by somebody. You remember that? All yeah, season? I do. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. I mean, <laughs> you can't hide fame even at a national race. <laughs> so, so we go into the track and we had garage passes and we're checking everything out. We actually did a, a meet and greet with Jimmy Johnson mm-hmm. uh, while we were there they did a Jersey swap, which was sick. So somewhere, somewhere out there, I'd like to think that Jimmy Johnson still has a capitals 48 Jersey, but (laughs) I'm sure that's long gone by now. So the, the worst part of this day, we were having an awesome time meeting, meeting the pit crew and talking with Elliot Sather and everything, but there was this massive downpour and there's this huge rain delay. And, uh, we were two hours. Yeah. It took forever. Yeah. So, of course, the race ends incredibly late. We stay for the whole thing. We have a great time. I forget. I don't know where, where Elliot finished, but we sat on the pit box. I mean, it, if if he wasn't hooked for NASCAR before, he's certainly hooked now, experiencing all that. So we go back to his truck to take the you know two-and-a-half-hour drive back to D.C., and he left the sunroof open on oh, his oh no <laughs> the entire time so we go to open the doors and water just cascades out of the doors oh, I mean, boy. there are inches and inches and inches of rain all in his truck so he doesn't get upset at all but we don't have any towels or anything we're really just shoveling water out of the floorboard <laughs> off the seats onto the ground so we we drive back um the two and a half hours and we're sitting in water i mean we're so i think we had like the windows down the whole way back i mean it's a pretty quiet drive so yeah you handled that a lot better than i would have Um, (laughs) but the the funny part to wrap the story up was the next morning uh at like 6 a.m i get a call that we've uh fired george and uh adam oates and that the press conference (laughs) is like that morning i have to rush (laughs) i have to rush into to kettler like 7 a.m. the next morning after getting back so late from being soaking wet from from the NASCAR race. But yeah, that was like our that was like our first uh, bonding experience together was going to the NASCAR race, and it was awesome. I mean, that's just who that's just who he is. He 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 gets excited about 
new things. So yeah, I really, I mean that, and it was so, it was so freaking cool all the way, like right from the start with our bowberry biscuits, never had any of those before. <laughs> and then we thought it was so like, we're driving down and, and like, I, I have no idea what the NASCAR culture is like. Right. And pace is just like, Hey, watch this. And he, and he rolls down the window and some guys wearing a Dale jr. Like, like shirt Jersey thing. And he yells, just yells, Yo, Junior! And then every and the guy's like, Yeah, like, let's go. And I'm just like, geez, people are crazy. And he's like, We gotta do the whole thing though. We got a tailgate, all that. So the reason my sunroof was open is because we were in the back. I think we were like throwing a football or something like that. And we were trying to listen to music. So I had all the windows open in the sunroof so that we could get the music a little bit better. And then we all of a sudden realized, like, holy smokes, like we gotta get in there. So we just closed up shop as fast as we could and got in and I didn't even think about it until we got back. But it was like, like, you know, when you're in the inside of your car is wet and then you get like the condensation inside too. So it's not like the windshield wipers could just like wipe away the condensation. Like it was on the inside. And so it was just, just miserable on the way back. But at that point, what can you do? Right. I'm all about what, once it's happened, there's no point about worrying about it after the fact. So it was, it was interesting and we've talked about it again. We got to go with the, with the RV next time with the motorhome and get on the infield and really soak it all in the real, the real, uh, what is it? Talladega. Is that where we want to go or oh, yeah. one of the big ones there? Yeah. Talladega Boulevard is the, is what they call the infield of the racetrack there. And it gets insane. That's where we'll get the, we'll get the full experience. <laughs> the true NASCAR fans right exactly. there. Yep. A bunch of pace because pace cars <laughs> just running around. It's sweet. Uh, Carl, you wanted to ask, you got to add a, you got a rookie party story to ask about? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't know these were on the table. <laughs> oh, man, you come on here, everything is on the table. It's, I, um, it would be nice when we release this uh, episode to uh, release a picture as well of Pace, but I, I think we'll keep that. Well, if you want to do it, you can, but I would never do that to somebody. But we got some good pictures of Pace really getting down. I didn't know that Pace knows so many lyrics to so many songs and really <laughs> likes to dance and get involved. And, you know, he, he was, he was the probably the drunkest one at his rookie party, which is the way it typically someone has be. to be the drunkest girl. Somebody party. has to be, but, but he, I guess, I guess it's harder than, than I thought to, to work the Uber app and figure out how to, how to get yourself home after a tough night. So, I mean, Pace, you can go ahead and explain it if you want, but it's, it's the quickest Uber ride in the history of all Uber rides, I'm pretty sure. I mean, long story short, we that was the night. We had the rookie party on Halloween night, and it was the night after the longest shootout in NHL history. It was the one against Florida that went yep. how many rounds? 20 rounds. I mean, all that you got in the shootout. That's all you need to know about how long it went. Yeah, exactly. It was you on the shoulder to get to the shootout. <laughs> so we, uh, we didn't have any time in between getting back to the hotel and then hopping on the bus to – to this this club so uh i just changed clothes didn't eat anything and that is always a recipe for disaster and yep um what the way how it worked is there's there's a booth that all the players were in there um they were just ordering like buckets of beer and by the time the bucket got back to me it was empty so it was probably like one o'clock before i even had my first drink and finally something comes back and it's full and it's a tray of tequila shots (laughs) so you know i ripped a few of those uh yeah so next thing i know uh i wake up and i'm looking up at the sky (laughs) and i was like oh no this is this is not good so i rolled over and looked at my phone and it was 7 a.m 
but my phone and my wallet and my keys were sitting next to me at a table and I was outside on the patio of a hotel restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of stumbled around a little bit and got my act together and figured out where I was and I was at the wrong hotel. So I get an Uber and uh, I was like, hey, I need to go to the Ritz Carlton. And the Uber driver turns around and he's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, that's where I'm going. So he like steps on the gas, steps on the brake. He's like, we're here. It was it was next door. <laughs> my Uber, this was before like the minimum. I had the screenshot. My Uber was $0.00 back to the hotel. And <laughs> yeah, we'll, ne- we'll never know how I ended up outside or at the wrong hotel. Dave Marin, to, to bring him up again, he swears he, he put me in a cab and told the cabbie the right uh <laughs> right hotel but i mean it, it happens it was, that was my rookie party that was my first rookie party and just that's how it's supposed to be man that is, that's what you always want a couple of good stories out of it and that's that's one of them the fact that you want one slice of pizza or maybe a dinner roll and things would have turned out differently but yeah the, uh, the 20 round shootout but, was a killer but the story is still so much better you actually told the story i think with the a night with, with scott burnside and i in raleigh so I, I remember this story yeah, it's not not my greatest moment. <laughs> you know, look, you you turned out everything turned out fine. Everything you have a great story fine. to tell from it. Yeah, th- thankful for uh, the the patio. I, mean, I I literally slept like on a sidewalk. I'm very thankful that no one came by and just saw my phone and wallet and key sitting there and said, "Okay, thank you." So yeah, thankful that everything turned out okay. No kidding. And you were leaking that night too. <laughs> so much sweat. Like they were playing lots of Drake. I mean, I can't help myself. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, that's where it was. I first found out your love for Drake. You just yep. knew everything that came on the stereo. It was crazy. Never seen anything. I feel like I'm just teeing up for stories. Uh Terryville Terry Scooter Gang. Yes. Yes. That's the seriously, the Terryville Terry is one of the best the, the whole Terry is one of the funniest things i think ever but. i think you need to start with the origin of, of terry it's t- finally time to reveal that okay it's finally time so uh, so what happened was we were in exhibition uh, exhibition game against uh, carolina and it is is it chris terry which is the yeah, yeah chris terry was was there um and I don't remember the exact play but ovi's on the bench and he just he yells terry you're a suck and we're all, we all like look at him like, how long have you been here? And you don't even know how to say like, you suck. You're a suck. Like it was just one of those things that was ridiculous. So everything became a suck after that. Right. You had a bad game. I was a suck. That play was a suck, like just terrible English. And then that led into calling somebody a Terry. So if you had a bad game, you were a Terry, or if you forgot something and it was really stupid, you were a Terry. And so it was just, it was just one of those things that kind of spun out of control. And even I think the coaching staff in Carolina was asking like, do you guys seriously call everything that sucks a Terry now because of Chris Terry? And it was, it was kind of the truth. Yeah, it was, that's how it all started. And I don't know that he necessarily knew this, but it was a big deal. Like our playoff shirts um, that year said, don't be a Terry. Like even, <laughs> even our coaching staff was heavily involved and invested in this. So yeah, it's just one of those things that kind of went out of control. And so yeah, we took it to the next level with our scooter gang. The, the best part about that was it was a preseason game. It was yeah. Chris Terry. Like why is Ovi chirping <laughs> Chris yeah. Terry at all, let alone in a preseason game? And it was, I can't emphasize this enough. Like the entire organization was completely immersed 
in Terry. Everyone knew what it was. Everyone was saying it. I mean, it was all over the place. So I lived in Boston right next to Kettler. Uh, I had a house a few blocks away. Um, sometimes I would walk, but let's be honest, most of the time I still drove, even though it was like two blocks. And <laughs> I was sitting at a stoplight, turning into the parking garage one time and I look over and here comes three nerds on scooters <laughs> and I was like who are these guys and they're like you know they're sitting there and they're feeling good about themselves at the stoplight and it's all the ocean was it Nisky? yeah was he the third so yeah. I guess those three guys they lived in the same neighborhood we also had also Nick Backstrom was involved in this but he didn't he was fair weather because it would get too cold for him <laughs> so they had these little mopeds and like I honk and they all three of them look at the same time. They already have smiles on their face because they're like getting recognized. They're like <laughs> waving at me. They're so fired up. So finally I, I track them down. I'm like, what was that? And they're like, oh, we're the Terryville Terries. We're, that's, we're, the, we're the scooter gang. <laughs> Gnarling. They rode those things everywhere. everywhere. I, am, I am certain that there are people listening to this who are thinking back now. Like, yeah, I absolutely saw. TJ Oshie or Matt Niskanen or Carl's on a scooter at some point during that time. I forget what season that was, but like you, that was the entire season you guys were riding those things around town. Oh yeah. Me and Niski were hardcore. Like we, we drove those things every, every day if we could. It was cheap on gas and it was easy to get places. We took them down to the, to the rink during playoffs, everything. I think, I don't know if it was you that took the picture or James that took a picture of us, but we got pictures of us like, like selfies in front of the Washington <laughs> monument and stuff on our way down. Like it was, it was so much fun to get on these things and just cruise, but we, we planned on getting, you know, like cuts, like vests and everything with the logo on it. And then, <laughs> and then Nick, like I said, Nick, um, he didn't like when it got cold cause it was, it was cold on his hands. So he didn't really want to come out. And then OSHA's battery died on his, I uh, think cause he left the lights on. So then he didn't really get out there as much. So it was mainly just me and Niski riding and then um and then that year i can't remember what happened I, I don't know if whatever year it was i left so i sold mine and then i think it just kind of fizzled out after that but man it was the good old days it all started with mike green riding his back in the day on remember uh, that the hbo series it just kind of spawned our our love for for scooters so that yeah, was it was actually really fun i've been thinking about getting another one just because because of the memories <laughs> What a time to have professional athletes zooming all over <laughs> we were, in DC on scooters. We weren't cool enough like Erski to actually have the have the legit uh, chopper that he would come to the rink on. So we had to go scooters instead. That's awesome. Yeah. So we had a good time, man. We had we had such a good crew. Like we've talked about this a bunch. Like that 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 year or those few years that we had in Washington, just an unbelievable group of guys. And I think that's what really I think that's when it started kind of going around the league a little bit like this, this team has fun, like they're a good team, but everybody really, really enjoys themselves. And I think that's where we really started to, to get a little bit more traction there too. We were talking about that recently, that 13, 14, 14, 15 team, especially the one that, that lost to the Rangers in, in game, mm. game seven in OT. Uh, I mean, Joel Ward, and Jason Shamara. Eric Fair, like some of the all-time like oh, yeah. great, great personalities. <laughs> Two out of the leaders. three have been guests on this podcast already, so we got to get Joel on. Yes, we oh, do. for sure. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that's just that locker room was a blast every day, especially coming off a season that was miserable, pretty much from start to finish, missing the playoffs the year before, and then finally, you know, watching the team find its sea legs and make a run at it. And yeah, I still think you know 
not only should we have, have won that series against the Rangers being up three to one in a couple close games at five, six and seven, but who knows what happens if you, if you get past that series and mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was, that just, that was such a fun locker room environment every day and really set the tone for the teams after that too, because there was, there was changeover, but that culture was still there, just big personalities and having fun. Yeah, I think that that was the year. Is that the year that LA won and was running through well, everybody? Fifteen was the fifteen was Blackhawks, right? Blackhawks beat, beat the Lightning in fifteen. That was still that was still that era where whoever won the Western Conference Final was was probably going to win the Cup. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the Rangers the Rangers played Tampa, kind of like yep. the first iteration of Tampa in the Conference Final that year. But we were just so hot, and yeah, if we could just found a way to win one of five or seven of the two that stand out for me against New York, that. We wish we could have found a way, but yeah, that was still fun. But what what year was the uh, the radio interview from a bar in Chapel Hill? Was that was that <laughs> same same time frame? Yeah, that was the year before. That was uh, thirteen fourteen. We we uh, it, that was just perfect. This is timing. his fault. This is his yeah. fault. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect time. So first of all, as a as a PR guy, you know, Alzi is your kind of dream athlete because he's well spoken. <laughs> He's extremely knowledgeable about the game, but he'll do most, anything too, right? Exactly. Most importantly, he'll do anything. He's and, doing this with me. I mean, what, <laughs> yeah. what are we gonna ask? But it goes back to the curiosity part of part of his personality, which is, you know, he would ask, "Why are we doing this?" or "Why are we doing this this way?" And w- he just had a knowledge base of if I was coming to him to ask him to do something, it's not because I'm trying to punish him. It's it's because I need him. And it's either because uh, a writer, reporter has asked for him specifically, or I just think he's a good fit. So yeah, I, I would lean on him for a lot of different things because I mean, he was just so good. Um, that's all the pumpkin your tires all I'll do for the remainder. <laughs> so we got eliminated. We found out we missed the playoffs that first year. We were actually in Raleigh, and there was supposed to be a practice day the next day, and uh, we landed and found out we were out. So. Um, yeah, OC canceled practice. So it was a perfect storm. We're in Raleigh. We have a day off. So I round up everybody I can. and We take the hotel shuttle to Chapel Hill, multiple stomping grounds. And uh, I took everyone around campus and showed them my favorite bar. And I took them to my old fraternity house. And as you can imagine, I mean, there's beer at every single stop of the way. This is a long day. So we finally end up at uh, He's Not, which is... Uh, it's like a beer garden in Chapel Hill, but the legend goes that it was Michael Jordan's favorite bar in college and it was named something okay. else. And uh, the owner got so tired of people calling and asking if Michael Jordan was there, he would simply answer the phone and start saying, he's not here. How can I help you? And then <laughs> they renamed the bar. He's not here. And his sense <laughs> just been shortened amongst the locals to he's not. So we're, we're in the bar. We've had several, several, several rounds of drinks. These huge and, cups, too. They're like yeah, two and a half pints. Sorry, two and a half beers, yeah. yeah. So we, we've had a couple of rounds of those. And again, it's a good crew. I think uh, Eric Fair was there, you know, one of the ringleaders. And, um, <laughs> so I have a alert in my phone at like four o'clock to remind Alzi that he has a radio interview because he did these weekly interviews. Who yep. was it with? Can you remember? Was it Grant Danny? It was, I think it was with... Uh, was it with it might have been Grand Danny or was it with Chad Dukes? I can't remember if it yes. which one it was. Yes, it was Lamar and Dukes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> so Aussie at this point is I mean, you're not completely buckled, but you're you're feeling good. So I'm we, talking we, to we, yeah. 
so we have this conversation where we're like do you want to do this should we do this i mean we got eliminated from the playoffs not 24 hours before that's going to be the topic of conversation it's not going to be a good interview and he's like nope i got it i promise you i got it so he starts the interview in the bar like actually inside and they had let us in early because they weren't open yet remember that Aussie? oh yeah just <laughs> us in the bar and you guys are like going around back pouring yourself your own drinks and so eventually like everyone's like hooting and hollering in the bar trying to like mess them up so he steps outside and does the interview and powers through and he comes back and he's so he's like i got that like that was easy that was nothing <laughs> And in my head, I'm like, I'm kind of dreading it. So You're panicking. Yeah, I'm panicking. So at this point, I'm like, it's time to go. We wrap it up. We get an Uber. We go back. In the Uber, back to Raleigh, where the hotel was, I get a text from Chad Dukes. And he was like, man, thank you so much. That was the best interview we've ever had. Carl was so chatty. He was so talkative. That was awesome. So, hey, man, well done. You stepped up to the plate and, and you killed it. Uh, everyone made it seem like we were so happy to be out of the playoffs that yeah. year. <laughs> Dude, that's, yeah. that's the radio equivalent of not putting the puck off the glass and out. You went right up the middle with that, like Dennis Wyman, and turned out great. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. You had to take a chance there and hit a home run. You know, it doesn't happen often, but that was a, that was a fun one. It went through my mind after that. All my, all my things should be, you know, just kind of like hanging out with the boys, grab, grab a couple of drinks and just talk about it. Right. Like we've talked about on here. Why know that uh, oh, we yeah, we got to do the bottle kill episode at some point. I, you know what? It went through my head. The uh, first or second game I ever did with NBCSN there, the, the post game show. I'm like, you know what? I think I should just crack a beer here and, and just really have a good conversation. And then I'm like, yeah, it's probably not yeah. very professional. <laughs> so never did it, but it went through my mind. I'm like, conversation is usually better when everyone's a little bit more relaxed. If you could just make that your thing, if you could establish that, like because <laughs> for the post for the post game, you're going to have a beer in your hand. You're going to bring yeah. the, the player's perspective from on the bus. Exactly. Out of beer. Yeah, this it's the uh, the new version of Boys on the Bus from the Oilers back in the day. Just uh, Carl in the booth, I guess. <laughs> Carl, Carl with a beer in the booth. All right, we got to take a break on all caps. When we come back, we'll tell a few more stories, but then Pace Adister gets to be the latest victim of Carl's stupid question. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to All's Caps with former Capitals defenseman Carl Lawson and former Capitals PR guy Pace Adjuster, maybe um, hockey writer Steve Wino. We're going to get to Carl's stupid questions, but we all, we tell stories around here. We don't, we're taping this at, at nine in the morning with no beer, and, and it's very relaxed. So I can't imagine what this would be like a night in Raleigh, a night in Chapel Hill. Um, but Pace had one more that Barry Trotz threatened to fire you at one point before a playoff game in Toronto. He did. Yeah, that was uh, a near-death experience for me. <laughs> we So as, as a PR guy, there's certain things that you do every single game. Um, you just can kind of get into a rhythm in doing it. But there are certain things that uh, I dreaded every single game. And at the very top of that list was the room shot. Uh, Alzi, I'd be interested to hear what, what your opinion is on the room shot. But I hated it and I mean 
for, for anyone who's ever watched a hockey broadcast, there was probably a room shot. And what that is, is the local TV station, or if it's a national broadcast, that TV station gets 90 seconds in the locker room to film whatever they want. But it's usually um, three players is all they can fit in there. Ozzy, did you, did you like being the guy on the room shot? No, hated it. I would try to get up and walk away if possible. That's uh, or turn around or something like that. I, I did not like it because they're like, right. They're like your skates and then right up to your face and all that stuff. And everyone's chirping you and trying to make you laugh. And <laughs> it's just awkward. But what was nice is we had Justin Williams who he, he was like, a, you get like 10 seconds max and he would just be like, okay, you're done. Let's go. <laughs> he tried to yeah. rush him out of the room. It was so funny. <laughs> getting, getting him in the locker room was huge for the room shot because he took my job away from me. I didn't have to do anything except open the door at that point. He would police it. Yeah. He, he'd police it hard. I would give the cameraman 30 seconds per player and I'm just watching the clock count down. But he would give him 10 seconds. Yeah. And it, it, you know, if I'm tapping the guy on the shoulder saying, get out of here, that's one thing. If Justin Williams is telling yeah. you out of the locker room, you're going to listen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's stressful because there's also a lot of things in the locker room you don't want people to see. Uh, you can't show anyone shirtless. And all the, you didn't wear an undershirt under your pads. So you were a guy who was always shirtless. So I always had a really, I had a deep V. That's right. Cut out of my cut shirt. The logo. <laughs> Anything around my neck was like the worst. So I just cut the heck out of my shirts. It looked like Peter Pan. So that's yeah. what it was for me. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a really finite amount of time where you can let the camera guy in where he's not going to disrupt the team, but also he's not going to catch, you know, someone shirtless or someone without their gear on. So it's stressful and it's stressful every single time. So when Barry came to town, uh, Barry started putting all of the team's systems on this just insane. If anyone's seen a picture of the locker room, there's like a hundred inch TV in the locker room. It's massive. And he, instead of taping up the systems and the things for the game that night, would put them on this screen. There's no hiding that. It takes up an entire fourth of the locker room because that's one entire wall. And when Barry was with Team Canada at the uh, – world cup he was talking to and i would i forget which coach he was with but someone had told him they did like hey barry we get a live feed of the room shot every time that you let the camera in there and one time the camera caught your systems and we screenshotted the systems and we knew what you guys were playing that night so that was a bug <laughs> in barry's head where he was like we need to not let this camera catch the systems no matter what so i would always be really aggressive with the cameraman i would say don't, don't shoot this wall. I would stand in front of him. I would push his camera down, things like that. So this is the playoffs. We've had the same camera guy time and time again. I actually think it was the, the Ninja Warrior competitor. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, the cameraman this time. And he knew the deal. He knew not to shoot that wall. And I had been aggressive with him a few times. It's like, I forget what game it was. It was game three or four. Um, and so he goes in there. He does the rim shot. And he walks out. I think nothing's wrong. I go up to the press box. We're about to start this playoff game. And Mitch Korn calls me and he said, you need to get back to the locker room right now and doesn't give me any more information. Like <laughs> Mitch Korn being the old goalie coach. So I run to the elevator press box. I run down to the locker room. I walk in and no one looks up at me. Everyone's looking down. The entire, the entire, there's probably 10 people in the room and Barry is hot. And he walks over and he points at the screen and they have a screenshot of all of their systems on the board clear as day and i'm standing right next to it looking at the camera doing nothing 
because he, when the camera guy was walking, like in his stride, he shot the the board accidentally. So Barry is just giving it to me, talking about I have one job. This is unacceptable. It's unprofessional. How I put the team at a disadvantage, and I will never forget this line because it doesn't make any sense. But he says, "If it happens again, it won't happen again." Do you understand? <laughs> I was like, "No," but I guess, I guess so. But obviously, I just like, I just nodded and I was like, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sorry." So he walks out and he slams the door shut. And I forget what what happened, but something fell off the wall. He slammed it so hard. So I'm like, "Okay, well, we better win this game because if they come out and we lose, I'm absolutely fired." So I go back over the press box. I'm like shaking that from this interaction. And sure enough, Toronto scored in like the first minute. We, we, we should look <laughs> up what game it was, but Toronto scored instantly. And I was like, well, that's it. I mean, I might as well, you know, pull up Indeed right now. I'm fired. And then Tim Ohashi, the, the video coach, he texted me immediately after that goal. And he said, no matter what happens tonight, this is not your fault. Like this is, this is, they didn't score on that because they, you let them see our system. So Luckily, we pulled out that game and we pulled out that series. But yeah, Barry scared me within an inch of my life. How nice Kim Ohashi coming in with the save there. What a beauty that guy is. Good but dude. he couldn't save my job if we had lost that game in that series. Barry was going to kill me. <laughs> it's uh, funny because that's not really like Barry either. He doesn't usually get that hot, but it was it was the one thing that could trigger him, I guess. Exactly. Pace screwing up in the room. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, know, I know, Pace, you have a meeting to get to. So, Carl, let's get to, to Carl's stupid questions. Okay. Yeah, it's going to happen fast. I see our countdown here is six and a half minutes. Um, okay. So, um, I don't need to explain the game to you. Just answer some questions and have fun with it, Pace. Um, if you could be a pro athlete in any sport, what sport would it be? NASCAR. Easy. <laughs> Easy NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> what sponsor would you want? Bojangles. Easy. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, what's your favorite breakfast? Uh, Belvita breakfast bars, blueberry flavored. A Velveeta? Belvita? Belvita. Belvita. Right. I got them right here. They're, <laughs> they're just these blueberry crackers. Is that why they were always in the Capitals media room? Because you oh, like yeah, them? that's that's where it started. Yeah. We would have cinnamon and blueberry Belvitas. Yep. This, yes. this goes oh. way back. I, I remember having those. I was like, well, and they, they've disappeared since you left. So I don't, I don't know what's going on here. That's hilarious. I've never even yep. tried one. That was okay. all me. Good to know. <laughs> okay. If you had to give up one of these, which one would you give up? Drinking any sort of booze, <laughs> sports, taking part in and watching sports, or traveling anywhere outside of Carolina? Wow. I mean, you just listed my three favorite things. <laughs> That's the yeah. toughest question you've ever asked on here, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's I guess it's traveling outside of North Carolina. <laughs> I could still get plenty of things done within the state. <laughs> Look, we'll we'll come out, we'll come hang with you in, in Raleigh and Chapel. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. He's on lockdown. Um, who would you say is your celebrity crush? Uh, that's a tough one. Probably Anna Kendrick from Pitch oh. Perfect. Big fan oh. of the Pitch Perfect movies. So good and pitch perfect. We were just talking about it last night too. Yeah. Very talented. Good choice. Um, who would you say is the funniest player you've ever uh, worked with? Yeah, it's got to be Jim Dog. Jim Dog. <laughs> what was so funny about Jim Dog in your opinion? Uh, I mean, my favorite thing that he would do is uh, he would always 
come running out of the shower dripping wet and pick some unlikely person to jump on and tackle that was always a fan favorite <laughs> yeah so funny and usually curdy usually curdy got it too it's so funny um okay last one and i've tweaked this question a little bit thanks to dennis weidman's recommendation um okay would you rather have to burp for 30 minutes after every meal you ate hiccup for three hours a day every day or randomly throw up once a week just completely random never knew when it was happening just happened that's an easy one. Definitely throw up randomly once a week. What? Yeah, even with the tweaks. Even with the tweaks now. Yes, okay. that's so much. That's definitely the one to choose. So all of a sudden, right now, you just threw up in your lap. You'd be okay with that. But then I know for the I don't I have peace of mind for the rest of the week that <laughs> it's I'm, I'm home free. And then if we start getting towards Friday and Saturday, I can start putting myself in positions to where if I haven't thrown up yet, okay, I need to be near a trash can in case it's going to happen. No, like knowing that those things are going to happen every time that you eat i mean that's just like constant dread oh man that's interesting because wide said the same thing about the throw up but that's like the first one i would eliminate say nope not doing it so all right i need some more tweaking i guess why not <laughs> um, yeah no i i think you have an answer i, th- I think maybe this, this question almost needs to be retired at this point you th- would, is that what you would pick too i yeah it's also what i bet yes what the yes. okay <laughs> all right retired let me just write that down so i know for next time <laughs> All right. Questions retired. All right. So that's it. That was fast. Holy smokes. Um, let me add these up really quick. Um, NASCAR. Yeah. Belvita breakfast bar. I, I can't comment on that because I don't know traveling. And I can direct you. Pretty solid answers pace. The throw up thing really throws me off. Um, I think that slots you in at about 188 points. Yes. For Dale Jr. right there. Yes, I'll take it. That's going to tie you with Joe Beninati, actually. Wow, that's elite yeah. company. That's really good company. That is good company. And and um, Mike Zeisberger. Does that sound right? Wow. You got you got, you got Zeis, who's part of one of your, your, your better memories from, from Toronto and, and the David Ayers night, featured in, <laughs> featured in Odd Man in Triumph Books, October. <laughs> uh, Pace, 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 I, the good news is you don't have to give up drinking or sports, or traveling outside of North Carolina. So we'll see you in D.C. We'll see you in, in Raleigh, I'm sure. Scotty and I will see you, I'm, I'm sure, at some point this season. Thanks for joining us on All Caps. Yeah, no no doubt. Looking forward to seeing you guys again soon. Huge fan of this podcast. Really appreciate you guys having <laughs> me on. Quite the honor. Thanks, we, Pace Car. We love having a, a favorite of the podcast on All Caps. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week.